0: This is Jim Duncan with Nest Realty and Sweat the Details. This week, Keith and I were joined by Debbie LaRiviere, a partner and head coach of Middleton Elite Coaching and a real estate broker with Nest Realty in Wilmington, North Carolina. Debbie launched and ran a national franchise and recruited 300 plus agents in a three and a half year span. Partnered with Bill Middleton in late 2017 and growing Middleton Elite Coaching through the development of customized coaching programs for top agents, teams, and brokerages, and is a full-time wife and mom of three teenage girls, one in college, one in high school, and one in middle school also known as the school of juggling life. Her motto is, what's next? There's always what's next in life. Sometimes this opportunity comes in the form of an open window, sometimes an open door, and sometimes life walks up behind you and shoves you into the next opportunity. Always be on the lookout. Without action, a goal is just a wish. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. We certainly did. Uh, hey everybody, it's Jim Duncan with Nest Realty, sitting here with uh, Keith Davis and uh, Debbie Lavier, um, who's going to talk to us a bit, a little bit about real estate coaching today. Um, Debbie, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do.
1: Sure, thanks for having me on the show. First of all, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys. So a little backstory, because coaching is one of those things that people often ask: should my um, coach actually have a backstory to where they're proficient in teaching me what I need to know? I got in real estate back in two thousand two. Um, have run a personal sales business, have launched a national franchise, and am now running a national coaching company. So I have a business partner, Bill Middleton. He and I formed Middleton Elite Coaching, and we work primarily with top agents, teams, and brokerages across the nation. Uh, We're more of that coaching company that takes those agents that are looking to break through a ceiling in their business more so than getting started in the business. And the same for brokerages. As they're looking to grow or have already grown and want to hit the next level as a brokerage, we dive into those types of clients to help them take their business to whatever their definition of success is.
2: And Debbie, do your, your clients tend to come to you and say, oh, I want to hit X dollar volume or, or there's some form of some matrix of success and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But do they ever want to know kind of where you came from, like what your personal business background was? I mean, you know, recruiting wise or, or building a team, you know, you said you had launched a national franchise, a little bit about that, about your production levels and, and what your, your expertise was in the field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think in every exploratory call, we have to earn our way into that room. That's how I describe it. And so for that, for us, it is about sharing that story with our clients so they know where we've come from and having them understand that we understand where they are. Um, It's easy for a person to sit on the outside and look in and go, well, you should probably do that better. Well, you know, I'm a parent, so I do that to my children, right? At the same time, when we look at coaching, we have to have some understanding of where this person has been and they have to be, feel comfortable with the fact that we're going to take them to where they want to go. So, um, you know, I gave you a brief introduction. However, in my story, it goes into the fact of how much production I've produced from a sales perspective, what size of a team I've grown personally. Could I grow a larger one? Absolutely. For me, it's like, what's next? So for me, I went on running that franchise and recruiting those agents. And I do think it's important to show that you have... Um, validity in
2: the industry. So, Debbie, if I can ask you to back up maybe just uh, one step with with who the client is and, and how they get to you if if they pick up the phone and they call you and they ask you about coaching that's one interview right that's one one part of the get to know you discussion but there are also agents who are who listen to this show who don't have coaches who haven't yet made that call if you're standing in front of a room at an nar convention talking about coaching how do you how do you even broach the subject with agents brokers of coaching might benefit your practice you've reached that point at which the new proficient coach is going to help you what how do you how do you judge what point in your career you need this how do you judge where you, you know where that coach comes from what's the what's that path look like
1: yeah, that's a great question. You know what's interesting about coaching is coaching is one of those things that usually by the time you're thinking about it, you should have already hired it. Um, a lot of people stand back and go, well, I can't hire a coach because I can't afford it. And to be quite honest, you can't afford not to. Um, I hired my first coach. I, my my true background is actually in sports medicine. So real estate for me was my second career. Um, I was in the industry about a year and hired a coach because I looked at it as Um, I was also a competitive athlete growing up, and I always wanted that person that would help me fine-tune or tweak or get me to the next level. And that's what coaching does. So if you're standing there going, you know what? Coach might be a good idea for me. Or when I hit X, I'll be ready to hire a coach. You're way past when you should be talking to somebody about coaching because they're going to expedite your success and you're going to get there a lot quicker and then get on to the next thing. They're also going to help you from reinventing that wheel over and over again Um, because we do get trapped in those. Let me go try this. This will be better. Or squirrel, right? There's so much new out there. We're constantly running. So, um, yeah, I think to to start the conversation is – Really just to say, hey, even if you think you're not ready yet, go ahead and have the conversation with a coach to see what they can do for you from where you are now to expedite that process to get you there quicker.
0: So of your clients, uh, and I just thought about this question, I mean, how many of your your current clients or base or what have you are self-identified as having that need? And how many of them had one of their brokers or, or mentors tap them on the shoulder and say, you need to go get a coach. I see where you are. And if you do, if you reach out to a coach, you should be able to take your your game to the next level.
1: Yeah, I would say probably about 85% of them them have their own revelation that they need to hire a coach. Um, Unfortunately, in the brokerage industry, and we see this and coach our brokerages to this, they're not always paying attention to when their agents may need a coach. They're looking more at is Susie doing X number of production that she thought she was going to do? And are we still growing the brokerage by bringing in more agents to replace any production that goes out the door and all those things they are not diving into that. Hey agent, you should probably go hire a coach. And so we are seeing it more through our networks of people that we've been in business with in the past or are following us through our various channels to say, Hey, that's something that I want to do. um, and add to my business.
0: What aspects should a broker look for? I mean, you know, Keith is a, you know, a fantastic principal broker in Charlottesville office and throughout the Nest family, if you will, we have a lot of phenomenal lead brokers, mm-hmm. but not just the Nest family, but all throughout the country, what components of, a, of an agent's business production personality, et cetera, should a broker be looking at to say, you know, he or she should, uh, should really, you know, take the next step? Well,
1: mm-hmm there's various levels of coaching. Like we look at it as there's that entry level productivity type of coaching. I'm just getting in the business and need to figure out how to fill out a contract and get my first 10 deals. Um, I think the broker is always looking for the learning-based, the driven, the person that's always looking for better ideas or opportunities to get to the next level. You could even have someone that, like me, had a, is, are in it as their second career and have patterns of success in their past to say, hey, you've done really well there. A coach is going to do the same thing for you here. So I think it is for broker-owners, getting to know your agents and understanding their personalities. Um, some people, as we know, they're just not coachable, and that's okay. Um, we all have those at the same time. Time, it's helping them realize that there are avenues out there that will get them to where they want to go. But as a broker owner, it really is looking at that, that personality of drive and commitment.
2: Well, so all right, so Debbie, let me though switch to you've you've come to the realization you want to get a coach. You you realize that there may be shortcomings in your practice or you may just be looking for that next leg up how do you begin, you know, there there are multiple types of coaches in the marketplace. How do you identify what type of coaching is right for you? What type of, of process? How do you identify the activities you need coaching in? What's What does that look like for most agents?
1: Yeah, I think the thing with agents selecting a coach or deciding what type of coaching they need is they either talk to someone who has a coach and says, yeah, that would help me because I've seen that person grow really fast doing that thing. Um, the other thing is to look at maybe, or consider what is it that we don't really know. So when we looked at coaching and forming this coaching company, we said, okay, what are all those key aspects that agents consider and sometimes don't consider that causes them to either hit that um, breakdown phase or overwhelm or or working 100 hours a week in their business. And so taking all of that and chunking that down. So from a Middleton Elite coaching perspective, we uh, base the coaching business plan on four pillars. First being productivity or profit, because we'd always rather be in the top 5% of profit than the top 5% of our board and making no money. Um, The second are projects, projects we can implement into our business to help us continue to drive our business forward. People, so evaluating the people that are internal to our organization and external to our organization, such as our clients or the need to hire. And then the fourth one is personal. As anyone in the real estate industry, no matter what aspect you're working in, that is always the first thing that we're willing to give up is our personal time. So how do we take each of those four key components and build that into a fully functioning business plan? Because I think the natural mindset of the um, real estate agent or brokerage is how do we increase the bottom line? And all they're really looking at is the productivity or the profit, but they're not thinking about all these other things over here that we need to implement in order to get our actual businesses to the next level to run it like a business and leverage is one of those number one missed pieces. Uh, For me, I know when I talk to new agents about coaching, I'll say people and they're like, oh, I don't have anyone or I have an admin or I'm looking for a buyer's agent or I want to grow my brokerage by X number. They have no idea what that growth when there will actually do for their business, and so it's being really strategic and purposeful around growth, either through agents if you're a brokerage, through production of your business, through support and leverage if you're looking to add on more production, and and quantifying that with what will that happen? What will happen to my business when I add those pieces?
0: So, can you put it? Can you pull out one or one or two examples real quick about an agent that you look back to or a team or a brokerage where they started out they they came to you at, at a certain level, you coached them up to phenomenal happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, and I for me I don't I don't necessarily define success as I added seven transaction seven sides last year, mm-hmm. but I spent more time with my family or yeah. I rode my bicycle more or whatever. Um you know, tell us a story about one one client in particular or two that you took from that from where they were to where they wanted to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really great point, because a lot of people also start to think that success is more production. And you hit a key point. I actually spent more time with my family or rode my bike more often, right? So when I think about some of the teams that we've come in to coach from a, from an agent perspective and taken them to the next level is um, I met like one gentleman And he actually had just blown up his entire team. Everybody's off the team. We're starting from scratch. I have this admin and this one other person that's going to stay with me. And he being used to doing it all himself was okay with that. And so by adding in and layering in just um, understanding of what the numbers needed to look like each week and each month, um, layering in two pieces of leverage that would really be beneficial for him and then helping him find the right people for that role Um, and get those key people in place um, enabled him to continue to grow in his business. One thing I'll say about people, like you're saying, going from whatever level to however you define success is making sure that not only do you have a match for the role, but you also have a match for the person that's hiring the position, right? Which is two different things I've learned. And I'll use myself as an example on that. I'm a very direct driven person And to hire someone or an admin that maybe is a little more mousy or not as assertive, I'm going to run right over them and they're going to quit in two weeks. So for me, I have to understand that I need that person that's not afraid to say, hey, Debbie, go sit back in your seat and make those phone calls. Hey, Debbie, you remember that project we were going to get started? I need what you were supposed to give me to get it done. So... Helping them that way and taking them to that level of production um, is really just building blocks, and them doing what we set forth to do. Right? I think there's a huge component of commitment, and we. I will tell you the biggest successes we've seen from agents, even going from 10 million to 60 million over two years, is the fact that they go do what they commit to doing.
0: How how much time does an average client spend being coached? Per week or month?
1: Yeah, for us, we're one hour calls once a week. Um, And we also do for our larger teams, we'll do hiring interviews to help them with those. Occasionally, when they get down to like, here's two candidates, I like them both. You tell me which one you think would be a better fit. We do some of that. Um, We do occasional calls with the team. So let's say we have a team that that has nine buyers agents. And every other week, I'll do a 30 minute call with them or an hour call with them once a month to just dive into where they are and help dissect what they're doing. It provides leverage to the leader, but it also gives them that whole uh, man in a briefcase kind of concept to where the man in the briefcase is always smarter than the guy that talks to me all the time. Yep. So helps their buyers to see other things as well.
0: How do you identify these? You keep referencing leverage. I mean, how do you help people identify those pieces of leverage that they can, they can pull those levers through the transaction? Or, or through their business cycle, if you will?
1: Yeah, with leverage, we look at that from a production standpoint. And then another key component would be, is it a husband-wife team? So I'll start with the independent agent. Leverage, we usually see leverage about every 25 to 30 units adds one person to the team. So we hit about 30 units. We're adding on some type of transaction coordinator, listing input if you're listing heavy, um, runner for signs and lock boxes and keys and to the attorney, that kind of stuff. We have 50 units. We're at that point now where we we really have to have that full-time person and we're considering what direction do we want to do? Do we want to have more time ourselves to do more production and add another admin for marketing and um, maybe client care type of tasks? Or are we looking at we want to bring on a buyer's agent to help bring in additional production? Um, we hit 50 to a hundred again, we're looking at how many more people are we adding? And like I said, it's about that 25 to 30 units we're adding people circling back to the husband, wife teams, which we coach several husband, wife teams. And that's very common in real estate as an industry. Um, we have typically have to hire the admin sooner because when they go on vacation, they both go on vacation. When a child is sick, we'll have the same child that's sick, death in the family, same family. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at leverage a lot sooner with our husband wife teams than we are with independent agents.
2: So, okay. So we move on, you've now got a hundred transactions and now really those teams start to resemble much larger organizations and now kind of get you moving in thinking about the fact that you also do coaching for management and, you know, broker, level work, not, not real estate broker, but office broker, how, when, like, what percentage of your business is made up of the management coaching versus agent coaching?
1: We're probably about 25% management coaching and 75% agent coaching. Management coaching is one of those huge gaps in our industry. And we're really working to get the word out about the level of management or brokerage coaching that we offer. Um,
2: because frequently your your manager is the you know one of the top salespeople, right? Mm-hmm. They come in, they've they've been successful in the sales, and they're offered that that management position. But it tends to be a very different skill set that's successful. Um, is it a refocusing question? Do you kind of get these folk? Are they do they start with you as agents and then move with you when they move into coaching and move into management, or do you kind of get them as managers?
1: Yeah. Typically, we get them as they've already hit that point, and they're both, right? They're trying to figure out, well I, can, well, I can go do this and take this listing, but I can't go do that same technique and pick up a new new uh, recruit into my office. And it is a shift there. And what we find, too, even the agents that we take in that are at 100 units, we've got agents doing up over 400 units. It's keeping them aware of what the numbers look like right? And, and again, at the end of the day, what is that going to do for them? So you can help them relate easier when they've been in sales because you can say, okay, you know, you did this for your sales business and it got you here. So let's go look at that same trajectory with the brokerage and how are we going to go from here to here and still manage your real estate sales business. And so that is a key question, even for our, um, teams, but what percentage of your business do you, or what percentage of your income do you want to receive from your sales business versus your brokerage? Because I look at um, the sales business as day-to-day income, and I look at the brokerage as wealth building and legacy, right? To keep a sales business running, we we work when the lights are on, and when we turn them off, unless we have a a high-functioning team, the business stops. With a brokerage, the business is running when
0: the lights are on or off, and it's just helping them understand that. Right. Of the uh, so of the of the you know, the eighty twenty rule of the of twenty percent of agents around the country who actually produce you know and make a living. Mm-hmm. What percentage of those? You know, so twofold. One, what percentage of those get coaching now, and what percentage of those do you think should have coaches?
1: A hundred percent of them should have coaches. Um, okay. I would say the trend is swinging more towards coaching because coaching is the new end thing, right? Um, but at the same time, looking at it, going um, percentage of them probably—if I had to guess—I would say maybe thirty percent of the top twenty are actually getting coaching.
2: It's actually, it- it's actually a higher number than I would have thought. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, just just because I know I know with our own agents, I know the number that get coaches. Um, and those who would benefit from coaching, and it's it's a very different number.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Keith, you you kind of took I,
2: my question. I paused because it looks like you were about <laughs> to ask something. I don't know, I to you...
0: Like you, you had that You took my question away, taking a different tack. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of the coaching things I've seen over the years have been sort of looking at your numbers, the number of emails you send to your clients, the you know client touches, calls, coffees, etc. <laughs> In most of our markets right now, you know, in November 2020, in-person stuff is, you know, gone for the most part. How have you advised your clients to replace that time? More phone calls? You know, At I would have a very difficult time reaching out to a client saying, hey, we haven't talked in a year and a half. Um, can you Zoom with me right now or, you know, or what have you? Because that's just that doesn't have the same appeal as you know, grabbing a coffee.
1: Right. Well, that's that's a really interesting question. So when you think about that year and a half that's gone by, there are things that we can put back in place, right, to start that conversation. You are absolutely right. That face-to-face in group settings has decreased from a, like, holding open house perspective. Uh, maybe they were doing large client events, and so they've had to pull back on that. We're advising our clients. There's still a lot of COVID-friendly events that our clients are doing and having extreme success with to get that maximum touch all at once. So we've had things like uh, family photo day where they've set them up on Saturdays and Sundays and they run them through 10 minute increments and they, you know, have them come and then they get the opportunity to interact. Um, a lot of pickup stuff. So pumpkin patch, pickup, pick up your wreaths and poinsettias, tie it to something philanthropic where they get to bring a blanket for hospice and they'll pick up yeah. their wreath. Um, so doing a lot of that to where it's more streamlined, we've had some, um, Clients do some things. I went to one last week, a yappy hour for the Humane Society, and they had all the dogs come in costumes at an outdoor brewery and food truck there. So, I mean, there's things that are permissible at this point. You know, what's interesting is so many agents, I'm going to use the word excuse, they're using the excuse that I can't go and see my clients to now I can't do business when they weren't going to see their clients before COVID either. Right. It was still been an hour and a half, a year and a half since they spoke to them. Right.
2: Yeah. And I, I will say, you know, and Jim remembers this year very well, but the year we started Nest, we didn't have an office for the first few months that we were operating. And um, I landed up, Jim landed up working out of a place called Seville Coffee, pretty much what, three, four days a week. We'd we'd be in there at some point. And during the course of that year, despite the fact that we were a brand new firm, we had very little kind of traction, I found myself having more pickup business than I could possibly have imagined because I was intentionally sitting in a public spot. I was suddenly in a place. Now, the reality is, as you're saying, it was an excuse now to not do that, right? That we have the opportunity. But the reality was, it wasn't intentional that I was doing it, but there was enormous benefit from it. And for for several years after that, I intentionally spent coffee hour time. Um, Jim still does coffee hour time very intentionally because it is a great way to bump into people. I ran into a client this morning at the grocery store at at 8 in the morning who I hadn't seen in a year and a half. I mean, it's, you know, there are, it's just getting out, but I think you're right that you can't just... Hide back and say, "Oh, it's COVID. I can't see anybody." There still has to be a way to be public-facing, to be in front of your clients, to intentionally see see people. We're coming into the holidays. It's time for pie pickup. It's time for a wreath pickup. It's time for you know some form of drop-off. You guys are about to in Wilmington. I know I saw the the picture of the green truck uh, hit the Instagram feed today, which I love. Um, you know, and I think you're you're totally spot on that you've got to get over the excuse phase of, of what coronavirus is. It's, it has changed our world, but it has not stopped it.
1: And I want to add one thing on the brokerage side, because like you said, there are multiple listeners, various listeners out there from the brokerage side. I think too, we get in that mindset of, Oh, we have to call them and no one will take our call. And I look at, oh, if you're going to, I call it rescuing, not recruiting. So if you, if you're going to rescue an agent from wherever they're at currently, think about those ways you can get out there and meet them. So it is more of that go to the open house. They're captive. Yeah. they can kick you out, right? Go yeah. up at their open houses because also you want agents that are going to work hard on the weekends. And that's what I tell my team leads. Instead of you picking up the phone and calling the last 15 people you've done a deal with to find out if they want to join your team, get in the car two Saturdays and go for four hours and go to 10 open houses and talk to those agents and never tell them who you are. See how they communicate. See if you want to be in business with them. See how driven they are take them a $10 Starbucks card. This is how I mean, I recruited over 300 agents. This was how I started. Um, I was brand new to the market. I, and they told me I had to prove myself to get the CEO role. So by golly, I went and got a position on the board of realtors and handed out $10 Starbucks cards every weekend.
2: I will I will say to me, I've, Jim's heard me tell this story and a lot of recruits have heard me tell it, but I was, there was an agent or a, a broker years ago who kept calling me saying, let's meet, let's meet, let's meet. And he called me one Tuesday morning at 9.30. He's like, oh, let's get together for coffee. And I said, I'll tell you what, I said, I'm having an open house today. Why don't you stop by and we can, we can chat. And his comment was, I don't have time for open houses. And that was, yeah, I mean, we never, never once spoke again. Um, and it was kind of like, that was, that was silly. Like I gave you the opportunity to come meet with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Take it if you're, if yeah. you're really interested, but yeah. He yes. wouldn't.
1: I actually had one broker owner meet me at an open house because he heard I was out doing my rounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is he said, "Why are you in this open house?" I'm like, "Open house? Why wouldn't I come? I'm supporting your agent. I'm on the board of directors.
0: <laughs> I have clients. Yeah <laughs> how long How long did it take you to get that 300 agents? I mean, it, um, it's... I in
1: about three and a half years. <laughs>
2: That's a tremendous. Anyone who hasn't done recruiting, that is a tremendous
1: number. That is,
2: mm-hmm. um, and that was in Wilmington.
1: That was in the Wilmington market. Yep, we uh, launched a national franchise here.
2: And you guys have about five thousand active agents in the Cape Fear.
1: No, actually, um, now we're right about twenty-three hundred. Oh, when 20, I got okay. in, seventeen hundred. Mm-hmm.
2: So, and you and you pulled three hundred agents
0: within yeah. that. That's yeah.
1: It was pretty,
0: fun. It was a fun ride. That's not, that's not a bad <laughs> ratio of success. And right I'm there. very
1: much a what's next person. So when that fun <laughs> ride was uh, exploding, I said, "All right, I got to go do something else fun."
0: <laughs> so what do you what do you look for in when you're when you are you know, looking at and evaluating new clients to you? Mm-hmm. What do you look for? Like what what you know? What's one thing they'll say? I want this person to to coach. And what's one aspect that you would say? I, I think we're not going to be a good fit.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things. First of all, I call the three M's, momentum, motivation, and the willingness to spend money. That would be the first thing. Um, after that, we look at... Um, really where they want to go and what they want to do. Because we do have some large teams where we've actually helped the team lead transition completely out of sales altogether from the business. So looking at it through the lens of where do they want where do they want to go. So if I had an agent I was speaking with on the phone and they said, well, I've closed 25 deals next year and I'd like to stay the same, that's probably not the ideal candidate for us. Right. If they said, I closed 25 deals last year and um, I'm having a baby and I don't want to sell another house but still want to close 25 deals, that's interesting, right? Um, you have the people that want to go from 25 to 100 to 250 to 600. And great, let's get on that ride and let's go create the plan. So ideal candidate for us is definitely that motivated and momentum. Um, and momentum comes into play because you, you have those agents that will reach out to hire a coach because they haven't done anything for six months and can't realize, can't recognize why they're not getting business. Hmm. And so then they start, and, and as we know in real estate, it takes 90 days to start the wheel. So typically by the time we've been coaching them for three months or have had 12 calls and they're finally getting that first listing or they're having that first buyer, they've only had one and they're looking at you going, coaching doesn't work. I've only had one and my goal is 40. Right.
0: How long do you, I mean, do you, with that expectation setting phase? Like, you know, you have that initial call or whatever, and then you say you'd give them the 90-day speech. Mm -hmm. At what point should they and you as the coach be able to say, this is a good good solution for you? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not going to be 90 days, obviously. Is it six months, 18 months, somewhere in between?
1: Here's what's interesting about the way we we structured our program. So when Bill and I were structuring the coaching company as a whole, we were looking at what are those things that other coaching companies are doing that maybe aren't the most um Time efficient and aren't building the best relationships or aren't getting their agents to where they want to go quickly. So one of the key components we built into the um, coaching program is called the launch meeting. So prior to COVID, we were going to every client's hometown and spending a day with them and their teams to get to know them, taking deep dives into their business. Um, setting long-range goals and short-range goals, backing that into a org chart, and leaving them with thirty and ninety-day action plans. They do not have to commit to coaching until the completion of the launch meeting. Um, to due to, zoom, due to uh, covid we're doing that via zoom now and it's usually about three hours that's about how much people can take on zoom um however we're still doing this and uh, no, we're still doing the same thing because the key component of a coaching relationship is the keyword relationship um i will be the first to admit and if my old coach is will laugh and, and agree with and say that i was right um i am the person that will hit my numbers and i will show up every call and you will never know what's going on behind the curtain. Because I hit my numbers. And so right. many coaches come to the call and say, did you hit your numbers? Well, I hit my numbers. But you have no idea that, honestly, I resigned for three months. My coach still coached me and had no idea I was leaving the CEO role. Wow. Until my last day on the job. And I, he said, I'll talk to you next week. And I said, no, you won't. This is my last day on the job. And he said, whoa, we need to talk about that. What happened? I said, I quit three months ago. So, <laughs> and he laughs about it for the day. He's like, what? That <laughs> never asked the right question. We never had a relationship, right? So when you look at what, how we do it differently, it is that launch meeting. And so really quickly answer your question and then I'll speak you over. Um, we also give them um, a 90-day commitment that if they play all in and your coach plays all in, and this was not a good arrangement for you, we'll refund your money for the three months.
2: All right. So, Debbie, let me. You've hit on something though, which which basically said the numbers. Did you hit your numbers? The numbers weren't really what were important in that coaching that didn't happen. Right? <laughs> there was some other matrix in your mind that was far more important that you needed to to reach. So, when you're setting up new coaching relationships. What is that, what do those matrix look like? I mean, you've, you've indicated there's the people, there's the, you know, the personal side, there's, there's other things. Where do you begin and and how should agents look at coaching as whether it's successful or not?
1: I think the key component in that is how they define success. And that's a question that we ask. So if you were to look at yourself a year from now, six months from now, and for you to say, we have knocked it out of the park. What has to happen between now and then? And when they say, oh, I need to hit 50 million, great. So what else? It's really that deep dive because you're right. It is about the production, but is it really? Maybe it's about the profit. Maybe it's about the time off, but it's, there's always something more.
2: There's something driving what the production number, the purpose, there is a purpose behind wanting 50 million. Right. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. there's a, there's something that an individual or a family or whatever is attempting to attain through that extra $20 million in production. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, and that is what's important. And yeah. Jim, we're talking about, we, we've, every one of our agents has a different motivator that's, that's pushing them forward. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we've got agents who are, you know, within the next five years, will want to retire. Their motivation is significantly different from the one who's in their first five years in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: And I'll add on that. If you're looking to retire, you should also be hiring a coach because there's great plans out there and strategies around retiring. It used to be back when I got in the business, if you retired, you sold your database. When I left the Orlando market and moved to North Carolina, I sold my database. Right? I had a high producing team. At the same time, you look at it and you go, what can what pieces can we put into place so that there's passive income outside of I'm going to retire in five years?
0: And that could be a whole nother podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so on, on that, though, I mean, we're at uh, about 30 some odd minutes. Um, I th- again, Keith and I say this almost every, every uh, one we do, we could probably talk for another two or three hours at least about all of this. Um, that being said, uh, um, what's the one detail that you sweat? I mean, you know, the title of the podcast is Sweat the Details. You know, you wake up every day. What's that one motivator for you, that one detail that you sweat every single day?
1: Yeah, from running um, or partnering in running a coaching company, I think from the coaching company perspective, the one thing we sweat every day, and we always say, Bill and I say, the hill that we're going to die on is quality coaching and quality coaches. We um, are very passionate about our agents and our clients being extremely learning-based and always working to grow them in whatever aspect of their life they want growth. And we feel that our coaches should show up and rise up to that as well. It is not a thing with us to allow them to roll in and go, oh, we talked last week. Let me look at my email before I talk to you to see what we're going to talk about this week. It is very much a preparation, have a plan, continue learning. From the coaches, from the client side, be it a brokerage or an agent or the architect we coach or the lenders we coach, whoever it is in business coaching, the thing we sweat is making sure that every person that we coach understands the complete full picture of their business. And they look at their business as a business, not as a job.
0: Well, cool. Well, Debbie, um, I think you've given you know me, Keith, and uh, everybody listening to this uh, a few things to think about, because I think it's, um, you know, I think in in, in, in every aspect of, of, of life and, and businesses, I think that uh, having a coach, once you've reached that certain stage, can be a critical component to success. And I think that uh, one of the things that you hit on and we hit on all the time is, you know, success is, you know, everybody has a different metric. You know, Mm -hmm. it could be, you know, making millions and millions of dollars and paying lots more in taxes, or it could be, you know, working 29 hours a week and enjoying that life a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll say thank you so very much for making the time for us today. Uh, We really appreciate the conversation.
1: Well, you're welcome. I really appreciate this opportunity and let me know if I can help you again in the future.
0: Cool. Thank Thanks, you. Debbie. Appreciate it. It's been awesome.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.